You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what a good Agus, welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast with me, your inconsistent host, Katie Charlwood, terrible linguist and reader of books. Disclaimer, this is not your history class. If it was, I'm not entirely sure you'd actually pass the junior cert, but there we go. Let's get into it, shall we? As anyone who knows me knows, I love pirates. I love me a buccaneer or two, I do. There are... There are many pirates I want to discuss, from besties Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, to Jinshi, to even that demon of the sea himself, Blackbeard. But I thought I'd start with one a little closer to home, with the Irish pirate queen, Gronya Wheel. Where to start? I mean, well, the beginning was probably like a good place, although I would like to apologise in advance for any mince. <laughs> already for any mispronunciations and butchery of names i'm I'm doing my best um and I'm gonna partially blame the accent because that might work <laughs> so Granny Amalia was born around fifteen thirty and to put this into perspective and give you a wee bit of a timeline, Henry the Eighth was still married to Catherine of Aragon, but was currently chasing after Anne Boleyn. Ah, oh, and he had the title of King of England and Lord of Ireland. Because of course he did. Although generally, England only really dealt with the Pale, which was sort of a portion of Dublin. They didn't really care too much or go too far into the rest of the country. But, you know, context. The best of all texting, so... The Mali clan basically, the O'Malley clan basically ruled the seas on the west coast of Ireland. The O'Malleys, they were basically a seafaring clan who ruled over the O'Mal. So it's basically the baronies of Marisk, Barstow, and all that sort of area. Uh, generally, a portion of Mayo and Connemara, and they also owned effectively all the land around Clovey. And these lands were all seen as the Kingdom of Ireland. I mean, this was originally an Anglo-Norman area, um, which is another story for another day. But it was completely Gaelicised by the time Gronya comes along. Now, back on track. So, 
Owen Dudara Omaya, Gronya's dad, uh, was the head of the Omali dynasty. Gronya was born on Clare Island and ended up being the only child of Owen and Maeve, although she did have a half-brother, um, paternal half-brother, Donald Papa. Um, but if there was such thing as an heir presumptive, she was it, not him. Okay, in Ireland, titles and ruling were not really hereditary. Um, chieftains and the like would be voted in, so was it... It was more of a best man for the job sort of thing, as opposed to uh, swearing uh, allegiance or fealty to testicles. <laughs> Power comes from the balls, apparently. Uh, <laughs> that's how they, I'm just saying, that's how they did it. <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, think about it. It's like, oh, the next king, the next queen. It's all to do with who was king before that in general. Because um, it would generally be male heirs who would continue the line of succession. So it's like, ah, royalty comes from the balls. So. <laughs> so you'd still own what you owned, but you wouldn't be the big boss. Now, so the Amalis all had castles all along the shoreline, so they would tax fishermen to, well, fish there. They also offered safe passage through their treacherous waters. They traded goods as far as Spain and some good old piracy against the ships heading into Galway. Effectively, the O'Malley ban was actually banned from Galway. So they thought, eh. So they thought, why not pilfer and pillage those uh, so-and-sos who actually could go to Galway. Now, the Amalis did have farmland and the like, so it wasn't, you know, all yo-ho and seafaringness. Gronya probably spent a lot of her time at Clare Island, and she may have been forced out a little bit um, to another family, which was very common at the time. And generally it was a way of A, protecting your heirs, and B, creating slash maintaining political alliances. Now, Gronya was a child, or so the legend goes. And then she asked her dad if she could go with him uh, on a trading expedition to Spain. And he was like, oh no, your lovely long locks would get caught in the ship ropes and they'd get tangled and it would be dangerous. And um, here's the thing. Kids are, in general, unintentionally cunning. Kid logic is very much what the quickest and simplest solution to the problem is. So, um... Problem, hair too long. Solution, make hair short. Now, I imagine Gronya lobbing off her hair like the Mulan cartoon style, just like... Um, but, I mean, she was probably just, like, sawing through chunks of it with the closest knife scenario. I mean, we've all seen a kid cut their own hair. It's, it's never good. <laughs> this is supposedly where her nickname came from, uh, Gronya Wheel. Um, so... Wheel means like sort of bald or cropped, so it's supposed to be like <laughs> bald Gronya. <laughs> yeah. And when Gronya was about twelve, her mum Maeve passed away, and this seems to be the time where she really gets into the seafaring. As she gets older, she went out learning the ropes. A sorry. Uh, puns, I don't care. And on the 
I mean, not seven seas, but, you know, some of the seas, a section of seas. Some. <laughs> and the story goes that she was effectively trained in, like, safety procedures, um, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Like, basically, if the if somebody comes on our ship and is trying to kill us, you get the fuck below deck. Like, don't you stay up here. You're a kid. Get the fuck down. Now. So as she's out on some mission with her father, they get boarded. And she's trying to get below deck, but she can't. It's all blocked off. So, as she's trying to find somewhere to hide, she sees a, I'm going to say pirate, uh, going up to her father and is about to, you know, stab him in the back or something to that effect. And she just grabs a knife or a cutlass or whatever is closest to her, some sharp implement of some kind, good for pointy, pointy, stabby, stabby. And (laughs) so she jumped. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. She was actually climbing. So she couldn't go down. So she thought, I'll go up. And so as she's uh, climbing up the mast, trying to get up towards like the crow's nest or something to that effect, she sees the guy about to stab her dad. And she's like, <laughs> no. And so she jumps on him and decides to stabby stab stab him instead and then saves her father from certain death. Gronya was actually pretty well educated for the time. I mean, she had the, you know, the social and ruling knowledge um, from her, you know, and her place in that society. And it's generally agreed upon that because of the nature of her way of life um, and international trade and the like, that Gronya spoke Irish, Spanish, Scots, whether that's um, Scots Gaelic or uh, Scots, which is also sometimes known as Ulster Scots, um, which is uh, generally from the region of uh, around Ayrshire, which is where she was actually collecting a lot of her sailors from. So because she had such a, a huge amount of Scottish crew, they believe that she spoke uh, Scots, but that it doesn't really specify whether it's the Gaelic or whether it's Scots, which are two different um, languages. <laughs> um, Scots is, probably sounds it's a little bit closer to... It's somewhere between Gaelic and English, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of if there's anything I can say in Scots. Um Oh, it's a bonny brich nicht the nicht. It's a good bright night tonight. So it's sort of it's it's eh, it's there is a there is something like that. It's actually basically a tongue twister, but I can't do it because I didn't learn it. <laughs> I did not learn it. No, it's because it's uh, in Scots and I always feel strange saying things in Scots because my accent is a little too Irish for it and I'm also a little bit too posh for it, I'm told. Um, I'm, I'm always made up. I get told I'm posh and I'm like, I'm not posh. I do not sound posh. What was it? So, um, yeah, so she would also speak Latin, French and I'd say she probably spoke English. Uh, she probably would have had a little bit of it. See, I I maintain that being the kind of girl that Gronya was, I mean, I like to believe that either she deliberately didn't learn English or, or speak English um, just to be spiteful. <laughs> it does sound a bit right, yeah. So when Gronya was about 16, 
1546. I don't even think I meant, yeah, I didn't mention she was going Yeah, so when Gronje was about 16 in 1546, she married Donald and Hoagie of Laverty. And this was, <laughs> yeah, say that five times fast. And this was a, a great political match because he was the Tonistra of the O'Flaherty clan, um, like the next in line. So by effectively consolidating their power, they basically had a shit ton of it. Now, I should probably mention that Ireland at the time, there was sort of a dowry that Gronje had. And women would bring whatever they brought into the marriage, they could leave with it. So the land, the animals, um, the money, and, you know, at least, at least three ships. Uh, they came with her into the marriage, and they would, and when she left the marriage, they would come with her. So, so not only did Gronje enter the marriage with her own wealth, under Irish law, she was able to acquire more wealth, property, um, and she could do this, you know, etc. And she could earn independently as well. So not everything that she earned or gained during the marriage would become her husband's. Donald O'Flaherty was neither a great husband nor a great leader. <sighs> Are we surprised? No. He was known to have a quick and foul temper. He was an arsehole. And he was often causing and getting into skirmishes with neighbouring clans. During their 18-year marriage, they had three children, Owen, Maeve and Murcha. There's a really funny story about um, when uh, somewhere was under attack, somewhere where they were was under attack, and Murcha didn't want to fight. Like he, he basically ran away. Or he was just doing some kind of shit like that. And I, I don't know the phrase in Irish. Um, but it, she basically said, are you trying to crawl up my arse, the place you came out of? Like, get the back of, get like, you know, get your act together and go fight. Because she basically said, um, and well to something, something up my own. Uh, so, uh, but it's, I don't, I don't know the exact phrase in Irish. But basically, she was like, what the fuck, mate? Get your back out there. Because um, she was fighting. Like, and he wasn't a child at this point. He was, like, <laughs> a man. But anyway. Um, in 1564, uh, a lower-ranking member of the O'Flaherty clan wanted to expand his territory. So the crown, who basically weren't, really around so much at that point um had come into went, went around before well really wanted to get their claws into ireland at that point so the crown decided to support his cause because it was beneficial to their plans and at this point good queen bess had ascended to the throne and had set her sights on ireland mm -hmm. uh, good queen bess is queen elizabeth the first if you hadn't guessed but I like to call her good and best. Now, before the aforementioned uh, hot-tempered Dono had a chance to respond or retaliate, he was um, unfortunately slain by a neighbouring clan, the Joyces. 
and Grania, upon hearing of the death of her husband, um, well, she was not the most forgiving person, shall we say. Uh, so when Dona was killed, um, she either laid siege or repelled one, but with Grania, and I'm going to assume that she led it, uh, and so basically leads a, a, a siege on um, Cox's castle and won. And um, because she won, it was renamed Hen's Castle in her honour. So because of, um, because of obviously the Irish law, um, with the death of her husband, she only had what she entered the marriage with and what she had gained within it. So, like, she wasn't entitled to any of his lands or anything like that. Um, so she grabs her gear, her money, her cows, and her three ships. Um, what you know, what she brought into the marriage. And then, but she also leaves with 200 fighting men. Now, one must wonder how well respected she was that she was able to retain the allegiance of so many O'Flaherty men. Like, and these are big, bruising, fighting, piratey men. <laughs> like, it's not as if these are just like farmers and shit. But anyway, so off she pops back to Clue Bay in Clear Island and she's doing her thing and she briefly takes a lover. Supposedly it was a shipwrecked sailor. Anyway, he gets killed by the McMahons of Ballyvoy and being the reasonable person that she is, she seeks vengeance and attacks the McMahons. Uh, she attacks the castle of Duna in uh, Blacksod Bay slaying her lover's killer and giving herself the nominer? nominer? Is that a word? Moniker? Thank you. Ah, um, earning herself the moniker, the Dark Lady of Duna. So, two years after the death of her first husband, Gronya remarried. And she took, bear with me in this one, Richard, Richard, uh, Aaron Burke, as her. Richard Aaron Burke as her second husband, um, also known as Iron Richard. Um, but I I like to call him Iron Dick because I think it's funnier. So, they had one child, uh. Tibud, so Tibud Burke. Um. And he ended up becoming the first Viscount of Mayo. Now, the story goes with Tibud is that he was born at sea. So, apparently, she's on the ship and gives birth to him on the ship. And then, like, the day after he's born, the ship gets raided. Pirates are there. And she's like, well, fuck this. <laughs> Jumps out of the bed, grabs a musket. <laughs> And goes up on deck, shoots a bunch of buggers, and is like, thank you, okay, get the fuck off my ship, bye-bye. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, by all accounts, Richard was also a crappy husband. Um, <laughs> now, 
the story goes, I know this is a lot of allegedly in the story goes, but um, a lot of Irish history um, is oral and not written down, so it took a long time to piece this together from uh, different sources. So, effectively they had a sort of, it, they're supposed to have had a temporary marriage, right? Where they can get, it's a trial marriage for a year, um, but, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so it's like a trial marriage, and uh, basically, it's, it's supposed to be part of a certain ancient Irish law, but whatever. But um, as far as, like, the British were concerned, and they were still married, and they still presented themselves as... Um, as a married couple, you know, so yeah, take this with a bit of salt. So effectively, he's off gallivanting somewhere and he comes back to Rockfleet Castle. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Helena Bonham Carter. And for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes. A new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and Gronya basically locked the doors, always shits outside, and she yells out a window to Iron Dick, Richard Burke, I dismiss you. And supposedly that, that's all you got to do. That's an Irish divorce for you. <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, um, she managed to, like, keep the castle. Uh, and her and Richard were, like, still good buddies. So, Gronya Wheel stayed in the O'Malley Castle in the summer. It was basically a stronghold and strategically in the best place to be because it was right in the centre of her sea kingdom. And she had uh, booby traps and smoke signals and way of sending and receiving messages. Like she had a rope that went from her bed, the pilot, the, the post of her bed, all the way down to the mast on her ship. <laughs> like, and so all of the castles at the time, what they would do is they were, the staircases were built so that you would have to hold, if you were going up the staircase, you would have to hold your sword um, in your left hand. And obviously, like you, you did not hold a sword left-handed, especially then. So if you were going up, you would basically have a, I would have a disadvantage to, so when you go, so if you were trying to attack, you'd have to have your sword in your left hand so you're more likely to get, like, at the top of the stairs, like, down you go. Yeah. 1575, you know, the crown is taking power all over the shop. And in 1575, Gronya offers her three galleys and 200 fighting men 
to the Lord Deputy Sir Henry Sidney, trying to add more taxes and, you know, people just weren't paying them. <laughs> so she's like, you know, I will offer you my, my fighting men, my ships. And she took him on a trip to see all of, you know, what she could do. And he's still like, okay, no thanks. And within three weeks of this offer, she goes off to plunder and whatnot and gets captured. So she's kept, uh, she's kept for a bit and then she's sent to Dublin in chains in 1578 as a demonstration of loyalty to the crown. Uh, so she's 48 at this point <laughs> when she gets ca- captured and, <laughs> and transferred to Dublin. Now, she gets released in 1579 and gets it back to Carrigahowley, which is uh, Rockfleet, which is the other name for it. And she gets besieged by Captain Martin for her pirating escapades. And this is not, this was not Gronya's first rodeo. And basically, she scares him off. Like, he tries to attack her, and then he barely leaves with his life. Now, 1580... Iron Dick becomes Lord Burke, with Gronya getting the title of Lady Burke, because yay, appeasement is totally going to work for this chick. New castle, new title, new life. <clears throat> Three years later, unfortunately, Iron Dick dies of natural causes, or you know, I mean, for him, great, for her, eh. <clears throat> Now, our Gronya, she's been through this before. She packs her bags, grabs her followers, her like a thousand head of cattle, uh, yeah, 1,000 heads of cows and mares. So she's got cows, she's got horses, and she gets the feck back to Karagahowley. Well, she's 53, she's independently wealthy, so, you know, she should retire. Chill out, relax a wee bit. <laughs> no. So, in 1584, Sir John Parent is appointed the Lord Deputy with a uh, fucking asshole, Sir Richard Bingham, as the provincial president of Connacht. Now, mm, and how he hated the Irish, and oh, he really, really hated Gronje. So, Parrot is trying the whole, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar approach, where Bingham is definitely more of a stick than a carrot. <sighs> with all the penalties and all the shit he was doing, the barks start rebelling. And Bingham fought back, uh, being, you know, I'm just going to say unreasonably cruel. So he sends his brother to kill Owen O'Flaherty, which is Gronya's oldest son, Owen offers, you know, hospitality to Bingham Jr. Or Brother Bingham, whose name I didn't learn. Anyway, Brother Bingham, Bingham's brother. He's offered, you know, oh, come to dinner. Everything's fine. We're going to have a wee chat. I will show you that I'm a respectful person. And um, Bro Bingham ends up stabbing him 12 times. Now, I don't want to say stabbing someone 12 times is overkill, but it definitely feels like a bit much. So Gronya, obviously, 
being the vengeful that she is, and rightfully so, joins the rebellion. So, Bingham gets sent to help the Dutch in their fight against Spain, and while he's away, Gronje sails to the pale. Anyway, which joins the rebellion, the rebellion does not go well. Now, at one point she gets shipwrecked somewhere, and a bunch of other stuff happens that's not really that relevant, because um, she's basically just away for a couple months, and then Bingham gets sent to help the Dutch in their fight against Spain, and so she has her ships back again, and decides to sail to the Pale, which is Dublin, and ask the Lord Deputy Parrot, Perot? Parrot? Whatever. Uh, for a pardon for her and her children, and their past offences. And him, knowing of Gronje and her reputation, agrees. In 1588, the Spanish Armada uh, is heading for England. So they're preoccupied with this for a bit. Obviously, like, thanks to, you know, the weather and just luck um, for the English, the, although the Spanish Armada, most of it sinks. Most of it's already destroyed before it even gets to England. However, Gronia, who's not supposed to be doing any shit, is said to have found, gone out searching for, you know, uh, sort of Spaniards and, and, and the like who had ended up on the shores of Ireland and giving them safe passage to Scotland, where they were safe. <laughs> so, uh, it's... And it sounds like something she would do because one, she is spiteful and two, you know, these are people that she's been trading with her entire life and also fuck the English as far as she's concerned. So in 1588, um, Parrot is replaced with Fitzwilliam. Bingham returns and just fucks everything up. Killing whenever he wants, laying waste to the land and the people. And Fitzwilliam is trying to rein Bingham in, but um, it didn't work. All these reports come out against Bingham, and Bingham gets tried, and but he gets acquitted because, of course, he does. Because no one cares that he literally destroyed like acres and acres and acres of farmland and tried to make it uninhabitable, inhabitable, uninhabitable. That's the one inhabitable. <laughs> He returns to Connacht and is hella mad and hell-bent on destroying Gronje. So when she's at sea, he destroys her lands at Carragahowley. Um, and her son, Marka, he aligned himself with Bingham. And that was him cut out the will. And she also torched all of his shit. And uh, she completely disowned him and she refused to speak of him or to him ever again. So, all of Gronje's fleet ends up impounded, and um, 1592, uh, Tibur is like, Tibur is the son, her youngest kid, and he's like, ah, I have to submit, because he's looking around going, fuck, like, <laughs> oh, yes, no. So, he ends up being held captive by Bingham, so Gronje is like... <laughs> Fuck this for a game of soldiers. She's worried that her youngest child is going to be executed 
um, as he was linked to the rebellion by the Earl of Tyrone. So, in 1593, she goes all the way to the top. Uh, she goes full Karen and seeks to speak to the manager and requests an audience with Queen Elizabeth I. And Queen Elizabeth I says, yeah, why not? Come on over. Let's have a chat. So she shows up uh, in, a, in her lovely guna. She's there in her gown. And she gets frisked as she goes in. And they find a dagger on her. And she's like, <laughs> protection though, innit? Ah, whoops, I forgot that was there. Did I Did I happen to bring a small sabre with me? Whoops. And uh, what a crazy random happenstance. So... She's in court, she's at court, and she sneezes, or her allergies are playing up, or or whatever. Um, she's given a handkerchief by one of the ladies of the court, and she blows her nose, and to the shock of all the courtiers, she chucks it in the fire. And everyone's like, oh, oh no. And she has to explain that it's dirty, and it's an Irish thing. Apparently it's an Irish thing, uh, where you have to, like, you know, if it's you know, handkerchiefs, once they're used, they're seen as dirty and should be destroyed. Now, I'm not entirely sure if this is a true thing, but it does seem like something she would do just, you know, for shits and giggles, being like, <laughs> um, it's more of a shock value, personally, but like, so when she meets the Queen, she doesn't curtsy or bow to her. And again, this like shocks the already shocked court. Uh, and she's like, well, I'm Queen of Ireland, so we're equal. I don't need to bow to you. <laughs> and, and good Queen Bess is like, uh, yeah, all right. So <laughs> no worries. And so the two of them um, start chatting in Latin because Elizabeth doesn't speak any Irish and Gronya supposedly, doesn't speak any English. And so, basically, Gronya goes that, you know, um, my, the, her seafaring ways were out of necessity because, you know, she lived on the coast and times were tough and, you know, she had to provide for her children. And that Bingham had it out for her and, um, you know, in everything she did, she had to do for her own safety. And that she had been living a simple farmer's life since her pardon. No pillaging here. Can't prove a thing. You don't have the receipts, you know. And that's it. And so she says, like, that she had to come over here because, you know, he already killed one son. Who's to say he isn't going to kill another? Like, she needed her help. So Bingham is fucking pissed. And so he gets the hell out of Dodge, only to be arrested when he hits England. Granted, it's uh, it's not too long before he's back, but, you know. So Queen Elizabeth believes Gronje. Somehow. I don't know. She does. And she's like, yeah, she'll be a loyal subject upon receiving a small pension and being looked after by the crown. Bingham at this point is incensed. And so one of the things that... Uh, that Gronje had asked for is to have like Bingham removed from removed from Ireland and so the Queen agrees right? and then after a while you know Bingham 
goes back. So, and again, incensed. And he just creates chaos. Like, and he just keeps wailing on Grania. He just keeps causing issues here, there and everywhere. Like, everything, everything he can do to make her life harder, he will do. So, she ends up returning to her seafaring, pirating ways. And so, 1587, the Barks end up being paid handsomely for helping the Crown. So that's, uh, so that would be Gronya and her son, Tibut. So they end, up, they end up pretty well out of it. So they're going round and they're sort of sailing about. And the last known record of her sort of still out sailing is 1601. Uh, so 71 years old and she's still out there kicking ass. Like 71 and she's still out there pirating. Like how? Anyway, I don't know. So especially in the 1600s. Like that's insane to me, but okay. So 1603, age finally catches up with Gronya. And she dies of natural causes. Or so they say. I mean, at this point, maybe the devil himself came to take her. <laughs> but, um, Gronya and Queen Elizabeth actually died a couple months within each other. There was like a four or five months difference, I think. <clears throat> so Gronya Wheel, her life becomes the stuff of legend. And, you know, folklore is created about her and... You know, a lot of a lot of Irish history like omitted her, like officially omitted her from a lot of things. But and it was actually from the English records that they were able to find out so much information about her because it was just a lot of which is Bingham's complaints being like every it was like every fucking issue we've had over the every rebellion we've had over the last forty years, that bitch has been in it. Like everything. So so going real her life becomes the stuff of legend you know with tales of her escapades being taught to irish school children today like there's tours about her you can go visit um you can go visit her castle like it's it's such a, a huge deal and especially to have such a strong powerful woman in irish history it's just really nice to to have and grania real she was a warrior she was the pirate queen of ireland you would not want to mess with her. That's all I'm saying. But um, a lot of the times when you read about Gronya, her <clears throat> she's referred to as Grace O'Malley, which is not her name. Her name is not Grace. I'm putting this at the end because if I did it at the beginning, I would have just ended up in a long, angry rant. Uh, so they say it's like they they say they anglicised her name, and it's like they, no. No, they didn't. They they just changed. They gave her a different name. Grace is not the English version of Gronya. Gronya doesn't really have an English version of its name. Gronya means um. Gronya means corn, and Grace comes from Grace of God. So it's not it's not the same name. Um, but yeah, the the, the name Gronya means called. But her name is Gronya Omalia, or Gronya Nimalia. Sorry, Gronya Nimalia, which is. That's her, that's her full actual name, which would be Gronya O'Malley in English and Gronya Nimoya in Irish. 
the documents they have her name written down but they've written it down the way that they they think it is like they wrote Gronya as granny and cranny and like g-r-a-n-y-a like they they tried it's just somewhere down the line it got changed to grace so at the time they were correct but like it's somehow over time it's gone weird like my name in Irish is Kathleen Ne Charlwood so like Charlwood doesn't have an Irish uh, translation it probably could if I worked hard enough um I could use another surname uh, but like but I'm Kathleen is uh technically what my name would be in Irish um, but catch is probably catch is what would be used more often than not because I'm Katie. I would be catch. I'd be catch in Charwood, which is really fun when you're playing rounders and they shout catch, catch. Um, which has it did happen. <laughs> they used to do it all the time. Catch, catch. That's why I was a goalie for a bit. So, <laughs> two story. So that was the uh, that was the story of grow on your wheel. Oh yeah, what was the point? Yeah, I was going to say Lupita. So it's like saying the name Lupita is... The English version is Lucy. It's not. It's not the same name. Um, it's it's kind of how... I'm going to say like how, how the default character is always a straight white male. Like, it, it shouldn't be. Um, like, the default language should not be English. It says me speaking in English. But like, you know what I mean? No, just like with regard to names like we should learn to be able to pronounce people's names like as best we can <laughs> yeah see but um yeah that was the story of Gronya Wheel Gronya Nimalia Gronya O'Malley the Irish pirate queen so yeah I forgot how I was going to end this um no yeah whoever said history was boring clearly wasn't paying attention There was something else. I had a, I had a really, I was like, in my head earlier, I was like, I have a really good sign off. And then I forgot what it was that I was going to say. But it's fine. It's fine. I'll, 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 it will be okay. We'll get through this. Uh, so I'm going to say adios, au revoir, and au revoir de zen. See you next time. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.